couple of weeks ago, Pastor Keith asked me to do first service for him. He was uh, he was he was coming from out of town, and he wasn't going to be able to, for whatever reason he wasn't going to be able to do first service. So he sent me some notes that that on, on love, some of the scriptures that he wanted me to use, and I done a message on love. Not not his message, but the message uh, using the scriptures that he was going to use. And the thing about me, when I do a message, sometimes I have to live that message first. Okay, so before I ever step up here, many times God's going to allow me to have the opportunity to, to live the message that, I, uh, that, that I'm going to give so I can truly understand and so I can really feel the message that I'm trying to share with y'all that day or this day. So as I was studying, I ran across the scripture, and it's Romans 12, verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> 9 and 10. No problem. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves, never lacking in zeal, but keep a good spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So, you know, I started thinking, now, wait a minute, I, I offer this scripture right here, and, and Lord, the, the series that Pastor Keith was doing on love, I mean, it was an awesome series, but I started thinking now, okay, so I'm supposed to place my brother higher than myself. Okay, now wait a minute. See, this is where I hit a brick wall. See, I, now I'm the Celebrate Recovery Pastor that radically on fire got saved. I mean, the pit I came from was so dark. When the light hit me, when the light of Jesus Christ hit me, everything changed. I mean, the moment I really felt love for the first time was the driving force and still is the driving force for me today for everything to change in my life. I mean, the light of Jesus, the love of Jesus Christ. I'm from a world where it's all about you and look out for yours, and it's fake love, man. It's fake love. There ain't no real love out there. That's the world I'm from. So when I experienced that love... You know, I'm, I, don't get me wrong, I am 100% Christ, but I'm also 100% recovery, okay? I'm a Celebrate Recovery Pastor. I'm in recovery, by the way. And see, what I've realized over the years is to keep my recovery, I'll have to work very, very hard to keep my recovery. See, I've seen, oh, over these years, I've seen many Many people fall back into their addiction. But I want to go a little step further, and I want to tell you something. In church, Christian living, I've saw many, many people fall back to this. If you don't work very hard, anything to do necessarily with addiction, is if you don't work very hard at your Christian walk, you will very quickly end up back where you came from. All right? See, I teach the 12 steps, but that's not really what I teach. What I teach is 12 biblical principles that work to continue us on the road to living for Christ. 
That's what I teach, 12 biblical principles. doesn't matter if you're from drugs or alcohol or depression or grief or codependency. These 12 principles work for it all. Well, see, one of the steps is step 10. We continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And the scripture that we have for that is 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you're standing firm... Be careful that you don't fall, right? Now understand, yes, I do live, eat, and breathe. Celebrate recovery. I live, eat, and breathe recovery. Christian recovery now, by the way. I love nothing more than to see somebody come from the darkness into the light. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I mean, I thank God all the time. I get a ringside seat to that. I, I mean, I, I see it. There's no denying it when it happens. But if there's anything I've learned, I've learned that it's hard work, but it's also in my recovery that I have to continually work on not only my recovery, but my Christian walk. See, when, when, so, and one of the th ways we do that is I continually work step 10, right? Step 10, and, and when, it's, it's sort of like having a checkup from the neck up. Yeah, that's what it's about. See, now step 10 is, the way it works with God is, God's going to work on what he's ready for you to work on at that time, and then as you grow a little further, you're gonna, he's going to work on some more, and then as you go a little further, that's why I need to always be working step 10, because the further I go, the more he wants to work on. And then, <clears throat> now personally, maybe it's just me, but he's never stopped working on me. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it, we're all supposed to be going from glory to glory to glory. See, the moment you stop growing is the moment you spiritually die. Y'all hear that? If you're not investing in yourself, in your Christian walk, if you're not growing, if you're not learning, then you begin to spiritually die in that moment. Now, I, I, can, I can have people, people after people come up here and give you the recovery side of it and say, hey, yeah, I quit doing what I was supposed to do and I ended up back where I was. But I want to tell you something. I can have Christians come up here, Christian after Christian, and say, yeah, I quit reading my word. I quit going to church. I quit doing what I was supposed to. And I went back to what I was from, right? So I believe that we are all in recovery. I believe we're all in recovery from sin, right? At least everybody is saved in here. If you ain't saved, we'll get you in recovery by the time the night's over. Day's over, rather. I'm getting my days mixed up now. But back to the brick wall. <clears throat> so I ran across. My voice sounds funny. Can you put a little bass in it, man? I mean, I don't know. I sound like, I sound a little funny here. Let's get so I ran across Romans 12, 9, and 10, and I also ran across Matthew 5, 44, and 45. It says, but I tell you, you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He, he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. Okay. See, this message right here and this scripture right here that Pastor Keith gave me, it really started working on me because the first thing was I started thinking about people I don't like. 
don't act that holy. Y'all don't like some people. Some of y'all don't even like me. I'm aware you don't like me. So, sure enough, as I was preparing for this message, guess what happened? The people I don't like called me. Yeah. See, that's how God is to me. I'm going to deal with it before I preach it. So the people I don't like called, and I'll be honest with you, I actually went over there because I already read the scripture. Once you know it, it's too late, man. You got to work it. <laughs> so I went over there, loved on them, spent some time with them, encouraged them. Now my flesh was like, you know, it's like, ugh. <clears throat> but what it did was the scriptures from that sermon actually caused me to do a deeper study on love because after 11 years, I was went to back to step 10 for me and I, I began to work step 10 and I, and I discovered that me and Dusty, or let me just say me then, I'll cut Dusty out of it. I discovered that I was codependent. Yeah. I... I actually discovered I'm codependent. Now, here I am running to celebrate recovery. But this is what God decided he wanted to show me at this time in my life. This is the point that he's decided he's ready to work for, work on me. Okay, so I'm reading the scriptures, and as I'm reading these scriptures, the scriptures look codependent to me. Because I've already discovered I'm codependent, and now I'm reading all these scriptures, and I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, am I, am I supposed to be a doormat? Recovery. I don't think so, and that's what I want to share with y'all today. So today, I'm in recovery for codependency, and I'm still learning how to walk it out. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about codependency and tell you what it's about, but I want to tell you something. I have to work just as hard on codependency as I did methamphetamine and alcohol and all my other life drug addictions or addictions, period. Codependency's been just as much hard work, and I'm still working on it, and i still got a ways to go. I tried my best to get away from this message. I actually have another message on this iPad. And I was like, God, I don't want to share that message on Sunday morning. He's like, yeah, you're going to share it. So couldn't get away from it. So this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that I believe God wants to bring, no, I don't know what the word is. Uh, he wants to bring identification to the fact that some people in here are codependent and walk in codependency and it's a problem. I'm going to talk about a few different styles of codependency so you can tell what is it. So you might just say, well, that's me. First of all, what is codependency? Let me give you the definition. The definition is codependency is when we allow the behavior of another person to affect our behavior so that we become consumed with that person and their problems. This obsession is is issue th this obsession with issues and problems of others becomes debilitating <clears throat> and leaves very little, if any, energy for ourselves. So, of course, there's different types of, of codependency, and I'm gonna talk about that in just a minute. But Galatians 1 verse 10. <clears throat> says, if your enemy is hungry, that ain't it. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Now, this is the opposite of codependency right here. 
or am I, or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the question is, how can you not be a, a complete, full servant of Christ and walk in codependency? I'm going to tell you why. Because a codependent person has a hard time saying no. Matter of fact, when codependent people come in the church, uh, they get in every ministry there is. Why? Because we're all asking. Every ministry leader is going to ask you to do something. And you can't say no, and you get spread so thin that you have nothing left for yourself. That is a codependent behavior. Codependent relationships lack boundaries. The boundary is I'll do this, but I won't do that. You see what I'm saying? Codependent people have a hard time saying no. And many times, I'm not saying every time, but many times they compromise their morals and their values because they don't want rejection. They don't want to be rejected. So, you lose who you are and what you stand for if it, if it becomes that bad because other people's feelings trump your feelings. If you're a codependent person in here, Billy's feelings trump yours. And, and I'm going to talk about a few different things, but I, I found that I wasn't in codependent relationships I was codependent with my children all right we're going to talk about that in just a second but what does the Bible say about healthy relationships Proverbs 25 21 and 23 2 says if your enemy is hungry give him food to drink or give him food to eat if he is thirsty give him water to drink in doing this you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Mm. Matthew 5, 44 and 45, and I'm going to read, I'm going to use this scripture a few times in here today. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. You're going to hear that again in a minute, just a second. So you, you may read these scriptures. If you struggle with codependency, you may get this idea that we're supposed to be in some utopia where we run out here and get in loving relationships with everybody, even our enemies, right? But that's not true. The truth is that we are the light of this world, and we should show compassion and love to this world, and we are supposed to be an example of what Christianity looks like and what Christian looks like. But taking the enemies a glass of water does not mean that I have to be in a toxic, let's say, relationship with them, as some, sometimes we do. It means that we model love, and see, this is where I hit the brick wall, and I began to do study on love. And that's what I'm talking about today. Because, yes, I'm to love my enemies. And, and even, if I, even, even if I can help them, I'm supposed to help my enemies. If I can help them, I'm supposed to love them. I'm, I'm not, but I'm not supposed to be in the same type of relationship with everybody. Okay? And I can't, I, 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 but I can forgive them. And I can even hug them when they're in church, my enemies. Oh, I'm sorry. My enemies don't go to church. I'm just kidding. That's people I don't like, but they're not my enemies. Anyway, so there's only two of y'all in here I don't like. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
Uh, I wish that was. But anyway, so, so a healthy relationship is not one you have with your enemies. So what is a healthy relationship? As we was talking about love and going through the series on love, and what, I wanted to make sure that we got a clear understanding on what it is to be in a healthy relationship and what it is to be in a toxic relationship and how we're supposed to still be in, love our enemies, love the people we don't like, love the world. I mean, we're all we're here for love, man. There's no, there's no hate in it, right? So Proverbs thirteen twenty. This is what a healthy relationship looks like. You walk with the wise, and you become wise. For companions of fools suffer harm. Okay. A healthy relationship either adds value to you, or you add value to them. Now that's what a healthy relationship looks like. It's equal. A healthy relationship is equal. Uh, it's not take, take, take. It's, ta it's give and receive. A healthy relationship in a marriage looks like give and receive. It's equal. A healthy relationship with your kids and, your, uh, and parents is give and receive. It's healthy. It's equal. Okay? There's no out of balance. When you, whenever you struggle with codependency, it's out of balance. It's all give of yourself, and there's none left for you in reality. All right. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, right, we know the day is closer than when that was wrote. So it's got to be approaching a little closer, right? <clears throat> the point is that we need relationships, because I don't care how holy you are or how good you are or how much you read the Bible and all this, you're going to go through storms of life, period, just like the person that doesn't read it Bible at all in here and, and just comes to feel better on Sunday. It don't matter. It's the same. We all are going to go through things, so we need relationships. However, the relationships we need need to be healthy relationships, right? Because we may need somebody to encourage us when we go through the storms. Anybody ever been through a storm? Yeah, me too. I've been through a bunch of them. Uh, becoming a Christian don't mean it quits storming. Matter of fact, it might even storm more. But you know what? I've always had people that's there to encourage me. I've had people there that have, uh, you know, give me the boot when I need it too and say, get it in gear. You know, I've had those people in my life, and that's what we need. Listen, you can come to church here every Sunday and not know a single person around here. If you don't know their name, it's the lady that sits two rows in front of me. That's not it. You don't know them, right? You can keep coming to church, but that's not what church is meant for us to build relationships, and it's meant for us to build healthy relationships. Now, I know I was talking about codependency, and I'm going to get back to it. I'm trying to make stay steady on this course right here, so I get it all in here. And I, I gave you a definition of what codependency is, but I want to talk about what it looks like. So, because there's some people in this room that can relate to codependency <clears throat> in different forms. Now, I'm not 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 the form I'm in right now, or I, that I struggle with. But let me talk about relationship codependency, like boyfriend girlfriend relationship codependency. Uh, a codependent person's identity is found in a relationship. When they're not in a relationship, their identity is damaged. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is 
something we work on in the Sunshine House constantly. Constantly work on this. See, if you come to the Sunshine House, I want you to take a year of your life and focus on you. I want you to focus on being a future husband, a future wife, whatever it is, whichever side you're on. I want you to focus on getting yourself better so that you can then be ready to enter into a relationship. What happens, though, because of our codependency, if you entered into the Sunshine House single, it ain't long. You're in a relationship. I mean, you might be asking me to come marry you in two months. You know what I'm saying? Sunshine, that's codependency, by the way. But we talk about that because... <clears throat> What happens to people that struggle with codependency, and generally it's from being, unraised, being raised in an unstable home. Now there's two of y'all in here that's been raised in a stable home, but the rest of us ain't. Oh, that's what I discovered. Come on, ain't, ain't but two of y'all in here. Your mama took you to church. She, they, they taught you the right way. You did good. And I'm proud of both y'all, but the rest of us, our parents had it messed up, okay? And what that caused is that caused us to, to have a protective way of thinking in our minds. So we have this way that we, certain way that we think. And now this is what it looks like in a relationship addiction. It looks like this. You get into a relationship and, and you don't feel pretty enough or you don't feel smart enough, but when you're in a relationship, it gives you, it makes you feel all those things. But when the relationship ends, you run over here and you get in this relationship. And when that relationship ends, you run over here and get in this relationship. And that, mo that time in between relationships is not very long because you can't stand the feeling of not being validated by the relationship or whatever it is. That is called a relationship addiction. That is called codependency. It is generally because of our childhood and the way we've been raised. So let me just tell you, if you're in here right now and you've been in 25 relationships, you probably struggle with codependency. Or if you've been in a long one, abusive, and you stay in abusive, an abusive relationship. We're going to talk about that some more in just a second. When the relationship ends, though, your whole world collapses around you and you run to another. Since your identity is wrapped up in those relationships, who you are becomes lost. If you ask a codependent person who they are, honestly, they can't answer it. Who, who am I? Because their identity is in a relationship. Many times who you are becomes lost because you'll do anything you can to hang on to that relationship. Anything to hang on to it. You can't stand to be alone. <clears throat> Many times you'll go against your values, your morals, and your Christian beliefs just to stay in a relationship. Amen, anybody? You afraid to say amen? Because the person you're in a relationship is here or what? This ends up being a vicious cycle. Listen, here's what a healthy relationship looks like. A healthy person gets with a healthy person 
and they have a healthy relationship. If the healthy person and the healthy person decides that that relationship's not working out, they go their separate ways, and they're okay. They're okay being alone and waiting on another healthy relationship. They're not just going to run over and get in a relationship. They're going to wait on another healthy relationship where they're more compatible, right? Now, here's what happens. I want... If you struggle with codependency and you run across this healthy guy or girl, because guys and girls struggle with codependency, certainly has nothing to do, I promise you. Let's say you're a codependent and you, and you run across this healthy guy and you begin to try to have a relationship with him. Guess what? He runs. He runs because you are so desperate to move quickly into a relationship that healthy people are going to want to wait and get to know you a little bit first, right? Now, what happens is that causes you to be in bad relationship after bad relationship, and every time you lose more and more of yourself till you end up with a lifetime of bad relationships. Now, I did come in here to identify the problem, and I realize this ain't for everybody, but it's for your friend. So, if it ain't for you, it's for your friend. I also come in here to bring you some answers. The truth is that God can set you free from codependency. God can deliver you from codependency. But I want to tell you something. you got to work codependency just like I work recovery on methamphetamine, which I'm kind of over meth, but whatever it is. You see what I'm saying? Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. <clears throat> the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commandments, I like if, it's always good when he puts if, of the Lord, your God, that I give you this day, carefully follow them. You will always be the top. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll always be the top, never the bottom. That's what God has for us. God does, has no desire for anybody to walk, at, walk around and not be the head and the, and the top. That's the life he has for you. And I'm hoping at least today I can bring it out where we can identify what codependency is. Second thing you've got to understand, though, on being set free is this is a way that your brain has programmed itself for protection. I'm being set free from codependency, and I'm not there yet. I'm struggling. Matter of fact, it ain't easy. I'm ha to, the, 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 the answer is to renew your mind. I've got to renew my mind. Uh, you might, and, and matter of fact, so you might have been in here today, and I'm going to give some more examples. You might realize you struggle with codependency. Just know it's a process. It's a process. And I'm in that process right now. Now, my type of codependency is not I have to run over here and get in this relationship, and I have to run over here and get in that relationship. Uh, but I have, probably have struggled that with that in my past. As I was looking at my past, I thought, you know what, I probably, I never have. It, it's not not wanting to be alone. It's you're devastated until you're in a relationship. That's the difference. I mean, you can not want to be alone. I understand that. Or you can be like Paul and appreciate being alone. 
<clears throat> All right, so there's codependent relationships and there's codependent parenting. I know that I'm throwing the word codependency around a lot, and if you're in recovery, you hear it a lot, but don't take it lightly. If someone is codependent, it means they're not living life. They are living a false reality. They have a false perception of themselves, and they live in a place of fear because they're afraid to be themselves. And deeper than that, many times we don't. They, you lose who you are. You don't even know who you are. Who are you? What does the Bible say that a healthy parent-child relationship looks like? I'm going to talk about my codependency. So this is going to hit a few people in here because I, I know who you are. I mean, uh, it might relate to you. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 5 says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. See, this is where I discovered that my codependency was right here. For those of you that don't know me, we started Celebrate Recovery at Liberty Church 10 years ago in August. A little over four years ago, we started the Sunshine House Discipleship Home, mostly for men in recovery. Mostly for men in recovery. And one thing about men in recovery is they need lots of love. But they also need discipline. Okay? In case you don't know me, I'm a tough love guy. That's what I believe in. I believe in tough love. That tough love is modeled after my own recovery. I didn't change until it got so bad that I couldn't take it anymore. My heart was so broke. I was so desperate for change that I cried out to a God that I didn't even know. See, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know this God, but I cried out to him. Guess what? He rescued me. And so many years. Yeah, amen. Now, this may sound a little harsh, but so many times over the years, I've realized that the best help for some people is no help at all. See, if I see you in your vicious cycle, I've left you in your mess, I've left you in your woods, I've let you be hungry, I've let you be thirsty, I've let you be in desperation, and I want to tell you something over and over and over again. People truly find their bottom and they turn their lives around. So I'm a tough love guy. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5 says, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. 1 Timothy 8, 1, 18 through 20. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well holding on to the faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck not a shipwreck but a shipwreck with regards to the faith among them are you make that name up and alexander whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. All right? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't leave everybody in their mess, but there's many, many times that I do. And now, 
when I talk to parents, I'm I'm leave, I'm going somewhere. Y'all just gotta take take the ride with me a minute. When I talk to parents, many many times I'll have parents or grandparents call me, and and I'll say, well, okay, so they'll call me like, hey, I really I, I really need to get Billy some help. Well, I say, well, why ain't Billy calling me? Because I'm going to tell you, Grandma, Mama, it don't matter how much help you want to get them. If they don't want help until they want help, it's not going to help at all, right? Give you an example. I'll sit down with a parent, and they'll tell me, well, my kid won't get a job, and they're, they're laid up on my couch, and they keep getting high, and they steal money from me. And, and I'll say, well, how old's your kid? He was 25 years old. And I'll say, well, you need to kick him out. Nine times out of ten, it's the same answer because they, this is hard. This is hard for you to say, hey, you need to put your kid on the road. It is hard. But nine times out of ten, they'll say, I'm afraid he will get worse or she will get worse. Now, in most cases, and I deal with extreme cases a lot, I say, you're hurting your kids. You're not helping them at all. See, as, as I was sitting down in a conversation one day with a parent, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Wait a minute, I struggle with this. See, I can lay down the law for the sunshine house, and if you don't follow the rules, I got no problem kicking you out. But I realized that I was trying so hard to hang on to my kids that I was afraid to confront them on some issues because I was afraid they would leave. I would tell myself things like, well, at least they're going to church, or, and, I, and, and I can speak life to them, and I would rescue them out of this and rescue them out of that. And totally opposite of what I tell everybody else, and I tried to hold so tightly to the relationship we had. See, I had a major codependency right here because I, I, had, I've, I've, I got out of my routine. I've had all my kids. We all, all six of the kids would all get around the table, and we'd have dinner at pretty much the same time. It was pretty much a cooked meal. There was no uh, cell phones or anything, so you was either fighting or loving on each other or laughing. Something was going to happen at that table, right? And I had got so hung up in that that when my kids began to become young adult, adults, I had a problem with it. See, I wanted to keep that. And, and the thing about us with codependency is we want to control our children, whether it's through money or housing or manipulation or guilt. We want control, and that's not normal. That's codependent. I talked to Pastor Keith, and he said everybody's probably a certain amount of codependence, and that's probably true. But when it becomes a, a debilitating to your life or your children's life, that's a problem. See, some of my best attributes have came from some of my strongest struggles. Y'all hear that? We have to let our adult children make their own mistakes codependency causes us to get consumed with their behavior and with their issues and maybe you're lucky and you got 20 year olds that didn't get in that much trouble but the rest of the church both y'all are lucky the rest of the church uh <laughs> you know what i'm saying 
Mm. You can't you can't let your children's problem become your problem. And they're not going to grow the way they're supposed to grow if you keep rescuing them out of every situation. You know, and again, I'm still I'm still struggling this area because I want to fix it. I'm a fix-it guy. Let's fix it. I got this. Let's fix it. No, we can't fix it. We need to let them fix it. We give an inappropriate amount of mental and emotional injury to, to our children or to a loved one, and we leave nothing for ourselves. That's codependency. This is unhealthy. Codependency is usually caused from childhood trauma, being raised by alcoholic parents or being raised by addicts, and and what happens is we work hard on trying to control our external environment, believing that it's the key to happiness. But here's the problem. The problem is that our source of happiness will never be found in people. You want to know why? Because there ain't no perfect people. People will always let us down. They can't do it. And I'm going to skip through this, but I'm going to tell you, in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, The Lord is our strength. The only true strength is found in is our joy. The only true joy is found in the Lord. Just like an addict can't find joy in drugs, just like an alcoholic can't find joy in alcohol, neither can a codependent find joy in their children or their uh, uh or a relationship if they allow themselves to get wrapped up in their mistakes and their issues. Okay? reason I have this message today is that that series on love really got me thinking about what is healthy, what is unhealthy in our relationships, and how do I have a healthy relationship with, with, uh, with the children and with, with others that, that, are, that is beyond that, with, you know, people that struggle in our, rela- in our church even. And I'm going to skip through this, too. It says in Matthew 5, though, it says that God showed his great love for us while we were still his enemies. That is 5.10. Romans 5.10 says, while we were still his enemies. Now, I want to tell you something. We're supposed to love even our enemies. But love is not an emotion. Do you all know that? Jesus got nailed to the cross, didn't feel good. Love is not a feel-good thing. Love is a choice we make in order to cultivate healthy relationships. I have a choice. The people that hurt me or lie about me or anything like that, I have a choice. I can be bitter and angry, and I can stay hurt, or I can forgive them, and not only forgive, but I can love them. And just like Romans 5.10 said, he loved us while we were still his enemies, and, and I'm not going to read this, but in Matthew 5, 44 and 45, it says, love your enemies. Just like he loved us, see, we're supposed to love them. The unconditional love of God is that while we were his enemies, he still loved us. Here's the revelation God gave me. The relationship I have with everybody is not the same. Now, I believe that I'm supposed to have a relationship with everybody. I believe we should have a form of a relationship even with our enemies because we are the salt of the earth. We may be the only light shining in their life, but the depth and the amount of I let it uh, affect me and affect my emotions and my life can't just be put out there like that. It's our job to love all. And I believe we should be in a form, in a, in a relationship with everybody. And you know what? Just because you're intimate, you're, you can't, being my friend doesn't have to be a condition. 
Unconditional love is unconditional love. Each of us can remember a time when we weren't so good of people ourselves. All of us has fell short. We've all been mean. We've all been ugly. And God's love for us is indescribable. It's beyond measure, right? And listen to this. You cannot earn his love. You can't pray enough. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. There's no way to earn God's love. God loved. God's love is a gift to us. It's a gift. We don't earn it. He loves us. See, what happens is, in John 3.16, it says, He gave. He gave His life for us. And that's the reality of it. We all deserve damnation. We all deserve, we're all born into sin. We've all committed sin. And we can't earn His love for us. Even when we were in our worst of worst times, He still loved us. Did you know that God loved Judas? God loved those men that were sitting there nailing him to the cross. That is unconditional love. That is what unconditional love truly is. And he never remember. He, if we accept God and we accept what he does for us, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. And that's the way we have to be in relationship with people. Some of the people that, are, that have lied about me or that's my enemy that have stole from me, you know, there's, they, there's never, we never know when that moment is when God's going to change their life. And if you don't allow yourself to be maybe a light shining in their life, right? We don't want to wish hell on anybody, right? However, the relationship also includes me. Let me tell you what a healthy relationship, a healthy relationship has boundaries. I have more boundaries for you if you stab me in the back, right? Codependent people don't have boundaries. Did y'all know that? At least whatever they're codependent with, like, for example, uh, where I found my problem was, I'm letting the kids get away with things that I know ain't, no, no, man. You know, but my flesh is like, you know, well, I'm, a, I'm scared. I'm scared they're going to they gonna leave. I'm scared of this and that. Well, I'm getting over it. Still working on it. But a healthy relationship has boundaries. A healthy relationship to my kids is if you cross this line, I don't care if you're boy, girl, I don't care what it is, you're out of the house, you're out of here. If you don't do right, I'm not going to help you. If you if you don't if you don't at least try for yourself, I'm not going to help you in any kind of way. That's what it is. Not always running over there trying to help them stay in their mess, right? What does healthy boundaries look like? If you have healthy boundaries in your life, you can say no. <clears throat> Christine, are you in here, Christine? Christine Burgess, when she first come to church, I mean, she she struggled with codependency majorly. That girl about killed herself there for a while because she got into every ministry and every little thing they was asking her to do. Boy, she was out there doing it. And, uh, ask her about it. She'll tell you what it's like to get spread too thin. There was nothing left for herself, and that's where the problem is. Well, Christine got free from codependency. And guess what? She'll tell you no in a heartbeat. That's right. 
Matthew 5.37 says, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Whatever is done, more than this is for evil. Y'all stand up with me. I almost jammed all this in here. <clears throat> the second boundary that will be in your life is you know when the problem is yours and when it belongs to someone else. If, if a person, your husband, your wife, or your kids create a problem, it's not normal for us to take that problem upon ourselves. Did y'all know that? Galatians 6, 1 is what I went off of. It's actually our 12th step. It says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Number three, number three is, you don't tolerate abuse. Matthew twenty two thirty nine 39 says, the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. We are commanded to love. Let me tell you something. Abuse is not love. Whether it's mental abuse, whether it's physical abuse, or whether it's emotional abuse, it is not love. And, and if you are in abuse right now or struggling with abuse, you need to get over that codependency because nobody, nobody deserves it. We're commanded to love, right? We're commanded to love whether it's and, and it, mental, physical, or emotional. doesn't matter. You can go ahead and start. Number four, you don't care what others think about you. I never did struggle with that, and I ain't never cared. <laughs> Matter of fact, people around me would be trying to make me care a little bit. I could care less, but regardless, I'm learning to look like I care what you think. <laughs> I'm getting better at looking like I care what you think. <clears throat> But some people do struggle with that. Look here. There, the answers are to if, hey, maybe you're a relationship addict or maybe, I, or maybe I'm having problems with codependency in my, uh, in my parenting. There's a book called Boundaries. Get that book. And secondly, somebody told me in second, first, second service, there's a book called I, Just Say No, is it? But I want to tell you something. I don't know. Research it. And, it's, it's, there's a, and, and there's information on there. But I want to tell you something. There's a step study at, at downtown campus every Monday night at 6 o'clock. If you feel like you struggle with codependency, come to that step study. If you struggle with codependency, listen to this. Christine Burgess is giving a testimony Tuesday night at Celebrate Recovery. Now, she's not codependent anymore, so she doesn't care if you show up, but it would still be nice if we actually showed up, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think we should show up and support this sister. Christine has come a tremendous mile, long, long ways from where she was. And, and there is healing. God has healing for us. My prayer team, I'll ask the prayer team if they'll step forward. Maybe you just want to start with prayer.